Welcome to the Fordham Career Center. Join us as we explore the personal stories and career insights of our Fordham community. In each episode, we'll be connecting with students and alumni to hear about how they realized their career path and navigated the job search. We'll be taking you a level deeper, diving into pressing questions about all things career-related and figuring out where do we go from here? Welcome to another episode of Dear Ram, Where Do I Go From Here? My name is Allie, and I am your host, as well as the Assistant Director of uh, Assistant Director of Student Engagement at the Rose Hill Career Center. Um, and today, I'm so excited to welcome Akira Kamira to the podcast. Akira is a recent graduate from the Gabelli School of Business with a degree in Global Business. And three fun facts about Akira to kick off today's episode are that he has an eight-month corgi. Amazing. Uh, his favorite food is cheeseburgers, and he enjoys film photography. I can't say that I know of anyone who has admitted that cheeseburgers are their favorite food. So I hope you wear <laughs> that uh, honor with pride or that badge of honor with pride. And I'm curious, yeah, where is your favorite cheeseburger from? Actually, yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I've tried a lot of different burger places in New York, um, but it actually, there's one near my house in Japan. Actually, that's better than any burgers I had <laughs> in the U.S. But wow, in New York, it's probably like um 7th street i think 7th street burger yes 7th street burger yeah i like that i've heard many good things about 7th street burger and i'm also writing it down so i can remember it (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's a good place (laughs) well thank you so much for joining us today and welcome again to the podcast one question that i have been asking all guests to kind of kick off all episodes is what is your macro bio so basically the story of your life up until now so that listeners could get kind of a brief synopsis and introduction to who you are. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Akira and I'm originally from Japan. I grew up here uh, until I was 14. And then I really wanted to, you know, study abroad and learn English. So I moved to Switzerland uh, by myself. I was a boarding school and I spent about four years there. Um, You know, it was an international school. So they had kids from different countries like you know, Spain, France, you know, Switzerland, everywhere. I uh, spent about four years then, and then I came here. Uh, I came to um, New York, um, Fordham. You know, so great. So, I mean, as you've just outlined, you obviously bring a really unique multicultural perspective to the table, having been yeah. raised in Japan, living in Switzerland, then coming to the U.S. for university. What have you gained as a result of your exposure to those various cultures and what has been your favorite place or favorite thing about living in those places? Okay, yeah, sure. Maybe, you know, to answer those questions, um, you know, what I like about Japan is probably the food. You Mm -hmm. know, um, I mean, obviously I grew up here, so I like the food, but it's also, you know, really affordable compared to prices in New York. So I really like that. I'm sure. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And Switzerland, I have to say, probably like the nature um you know, it's a beautiful country and super peaceful but um my favorite things about the U.S. or maybe New York particularly is probably the energy that the city has I think everyone's sort of you know very motivated and you know pursuing their dream and it's 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 really encouraged I think to work hard and um you know pursue your dream I think that's not really common in Japan or nor in Switzerland, I feel like, you know, I've never met so many motivated and hardworking people. Um, so yeah, that's probably my favorite things. And, you know, 
in terms of like being with people from different backgrounds, different culture. Um, so, you know, I think, as you probably know, like Japan's very homogenous country, um, 98% of the population's Japanese. So, you know, moving from Japan to Switzerland was a pretty big change for me. Um, so, you know, obviously my roommate, my first roommate was Spanish and had different people like Russians, Chinese uh, students on my floor. So it was very, there's a little bit of culture shock as well, but you know, as, as you got to spend more time with them, um, you sort of see that like, there's just, you know, different kids, you know, like even though they have like different cultures, different like, you know, thinking logics, um, but at the end of the day, like we're all the same. So I think that's one thing I learned. Yeah. It's like understanding like different cultures. Yeah. And like accepting it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And obviously you went from Switzerland to New York um, and you came here to Fordham. And what yeah. inspired you to pursue global business during your time at Fordham? So um, my dad is a consultant. So I've seen him, you know, do business things. So I was always sort of inspired by that. Um, you know, that's he's also the reason why I wanted to study English because, you know, he has a bunch of meetings in English and I really wanted to know what he was talking about and like be able to speak English. So uh, that definitely influenced my decision uh, to take global business major. Um, but I, I also think, I mean, I also consider STEM degrees as well. Like I was interested in biology, chemistry, mm -hmm. but I think, yeah, I really wanted to have that like people skills as well. Um, I think that was definitely something that I was able to learn at Fordham through the course. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I know that you held various internships throughout your time at Fordham, primarily in investment banking. Um, could you kind of walk me through those experiences and what the application process was like as an international student? Yeah. Sure. Uh, my first internship I had, the first paid internship was with the firm called KKR. Um, it's a relatively large private equity fund in the US uh, based in New York. Uh, the position was for their treasury team, basically, mm -hmm. you know, like moving around money and like checking the bank account and like making sure they have enough money to do their investments. So I applied on Handshake, actually. I, I actually applied on the last day <laughs> of like the, the deadline. Um, wow. So, you know, I mean, it's it's better to apply earlier, but it's not, it's never too late, I guess. And as long as it's like within the deadline, I applied on the deadline and then I applied my, like I submitted, submitted my resume and then I actually cold email a few people um, you know, I just gone, went on LinkedIn, looked up their emails, um, and then like attached my resume, attached like a cover letter, um, and then I got a reply like two weeks later. Wow! Uh, got my first interview. Yeah, I was I was really lucky then. Um, after the 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 whole process was like four weeks. Oh, you're breaking up a little bit on me, Akira. <laughs> Um, after I submitted my resume, um, I went on LinkedIn and I looked up the people who worked at KKR at those divisions. And I just, you know, looked up their email and, um, uh, sent my resume, sent my cover letter, um, got my reply 
in about like two weeks, I think. And then got my first round interview and there were five, four or five uh, interviews in total. The process took about like four weeks. Um, and then in terms of like applying to jobs as an international student um, and for internships, you don't really need, there's, there's not a huge difference between international students and domestic students. Um, the only difference is that um, you have to get an offer letter and send that to your dean, and then he will process a CPT for you. Mm-hmm. And, and especially if it's a paid internship, uh, you need that CPT to start your internship. Um, so that's probably something to keep in mind and just be open about the fact that you're an international student with your employer. Um, you know, you don't want to surprise them at the end, like after you got an offer, tell them like, oh, by the way, I'm an international student. They'll be like, oh, I don't know, that like that's a different process. Like some firms have like, you know, different policies. So it's, it's good to that to like get that out like in the early, earlier stage. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. And did you were you often in contact with the office? Um, for international students while you were going through these different processes or was a lot of this covered when you first started here at Fordham? Well, I, my earlier um, years, like freshman, sophomore years, I used um, the service a lot, I think, you know, mm-hmm. especially like my, uh, my freshman year, I went to um, career fair. A career certain. fair? Yeah. Career fair, yeah. So, you know, I was freshman then. Um I've only been at Fordham for like two months, I think. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anything about like resume. So I went there and, you know, they really helped me with like making my own resume and, you know, printing out, like choosing the right paper, you know, and everything like the thick ones. Um, so I think that initial stage, that was really helpful for me. Yeah, that's great. And I just wanted to rewind a bit. You talked about um, networking via LinkedIn in order to get your first internship and sending yeah. cold emails. For a lot of students, justifiably, that is very overwhelming and intimidating. Mm-hmm. Are there any tips and tricks you would give to students in terms of how to network to boost themselves in their job or internship search? Yeah. Well, I think it's more of numbers game as well. Uh, I just have to get used to, um, you know, I think first of all cold emailing uh that's probably the easiest part you like you're not really actually talking to anyone you're just like typing emails like you know that's not the scary part the scary part I think is actually getting on a phone call with like people Mm -hmm. you don't know and you pressured to like make good impression so I think you know you have to get used to it you just uh just have to do a lot of that but you know what I realized maybe like after a couple of, you know, networking sessions, probably like just keep the conversation really casual. Uh, I think people like that. Like I've, I've been networked <laughs> in a mm-hmm. way, like a couple of times, and I felt like, you know, um, students who were really like casual and like having a conversation about like, you know, just a casual thing, like you know, like what do you do for fun or like different things. I think than other than like work mm-hmm. uh, I think that also like I think that's a good networking like method awesome yeah so approaching it with the more go with the flow conversation appeal than speaking like a robot which I think a lot of us yeah. have 
uh, the tendency to do when we know we're going into an intimidating situation where we feel like we have to be professional and we get a little bit more uptight. Uh, mm -hmm. So keeping it casual, I think, is really great advice. Yeah. Like, you know, treat them as your like friend or yeah, basically. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I know. So you mentioned how you got your first internship at Fordham. And I'm wondering, you held, again, probably several internships during your time here. Uh, what were some similarities and differences between those internships and how did they inform, you know, your career decision post-college? Yeah, sure. So, you know, so going back to the KKR internship, that job was basically like a treasury job where okay. mo most, of the, most of the work that I was doing um it's not really a complex, complex tax task. Mm -hmm. Um, so I felt, oh, I really enjoy the work. I really like the people. Uh, um, it's a good name to have on your resume, I think, but, um, I didn't really feel like I was challenged every day in a way. Um, the work I was doing was pretty re repetitive. So mm -hmm. I wanted to, you know, try something different that is more, I think, challenging. So, uh, I started interning at different uh, investment banking um, positions. So I think those those jobs were a lot more, um, I think I'd say it had more, a lot more variety of types of work that you could do. Um, and it was also like, as people say, like a little bit intense sometimes um, just mm -hmm. because, you know, a lot of things, a lot of things you're working on, it's like time insensitive, time sensitive and, um, you know, long hours are expected also, but, um, in terms of like the growth curve, I think learning curve, um, I felt like it was a lot more steeper in an environment where I was more challenged, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, to answer your question, I think, yes, I like my internship at KKR, but when I, when I thought about like you know, my learning opportunities, learning curves, and like the sort of career I want to have after graduating Fordham, I I thought that, you know, in like maybe five years, where would I want to be? You know, if I ask that question, you know, I'll probably, I'll, I'll probably want to have a career where like I'm pushed, like I'm challenged, but I'm also growing like at a faster rate. Yeah, definitely. And do you feel, I know that you're you're an incoming investment banking analyst at BDA Partners in Japan. Yeah. Twofold question here. One, do you feel like you're getting that challenging environment there? And two, um, you are currently in Japan. So to everyone who is a listener, I'm currently, <laughs> it's 8.30 or 8.50 a.m. here. Um, it is nighttime for Akira. Um, and were you looking to kind of return to Japan for work post-graduation? So yeah, so to be completely honest, uh no I was not I was really looking forward to you know staying in the U.S. getting a job in the U.S. um for so many obvious reasons I think you know all my friends are here New York is amazing um but you know as an international student it's really difficult to secure an offer um you know especially because of the visa um mm -hmm. you know it, it's it's pretty challenging to um secure that visa um so um there are th there are a lot of things i wish i'd known before and you know for the listeners who are maybe international students and want to stay in the us um you know i think there are a lot of things that 
you know, you could do to increase that chance of, you know, staying in the US. Mm. What would be some of those things, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, of course. Oh, thanks for asking. Um, so I think one of the main major um, component, I think, uh, that, that, that can increase your chance of staying is having that um, STEM OPT. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, non-STEM majors like myself have only one year uh, to stay in the U.S. after graduation. And we only have one one lottery. So the way it works is that you know, once a year, there's a lottery and you have to win that lottery to stay in the U.S. The chance of you winning the lottery is probably about 30%, less than 30%. So that's why a lot of U.S. employers don't want to hire you because, you know, well, let's say we hire you and then you only have 30% chance of like actually coming to the firm. Mm-hmm. So having that STEM OPT degree, so STEM OPT means that um, if your major, if your major is considered STEM, obviously mm-hmm. like biology, chemistry, math, um, you, you can, you can stay in the U S for three years without a visa. And that means you can enter the lottery three times um, or even four times, depending on, you know, uh, which time of the year you graduate or you enter the lottery. So I would definitely consider um, having that sort of like maybe double majoring in another, you know, STEM field. Um, there's also a DTAM, I think it's called, a digital mm-hmm. technology and immersion media thing. Yes, I think yep, you're right. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I was, I'm not sure if it's like a minor or major, but, you know, that also gives you like a STEM, um, you know, STEM. So I would definitely consider that. It makes a huge difference when you're applying to like full-time positions or like internships. So something to consider. And also like maybe another thing is that just like try to cast a wide net in mm-hmm. terms of like where you apply to. So my sophomore year, um, I was applying to like all the big banks, you know, big names. And, you know, I, I actually secured a few interviews. So I thought, you know, I'll, I'll probably get to go to these places, you know, like big names. But so I, 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 I didn't apply to like smaller places, but I think I should have because a lot of the European firms, they tend to sponsor you, which mm-hmm. means, you know, they probably take a chance on you, even if you're an international student. And you should also consider like smaller firm or like even unpaid internship as well, because one, you know, it shows that you're proactive and, you know, you get, you get some kind of experience um, that's better than no experience at all. And actually those small places actually tend to be more flexible in terms of like hiring international students. Mm. So one of my roommates, my old roommates actually, he was interning at this um, renewable energy company. Um, it was an unpaid position, but he worked there uh, for a very long time, like at least like half a year or something before he graduated. And then they really liked him. So even though he was an international student, he was able to sort of, you know, secure a full-time position after graduation. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's another route that you could possibly take um just don't neglect smaller like unknown companies or like unpaid internships 
because you know that's probably better than not having anything at all so yeah got it great well thank you so much for all of that advice i um hope all of our international student listeners um take those <laughs> those tips and pointers um but obviously now even if it wasn't in the original plan you are at bda partners in japan um and i'm curious what is kind of a typical day in the life look for you there sure so i'm actually intern at bda office in new york mm-hmm. so i'm expecting the work to be relatively similar you know, apart, aside from like the language, but, um, you know, you start around like 9am and then, you know, early in the day, a lot of things you do is probably just like checking emails and like, you know, so I think to give you like an overview of what an investment bankers do, or like, you know, what these like M&A advisory is, um, what you're doing is basically advising companies who are either trying to sell their company or buy another company. And you know, a lot of the work that I was doing at BDA was making making like a list of companies that are on sale and, and sort of making a profile for those companies, sort of like making a catalog for like, so if company A is looking to acquire like snack company in the US, you sort of like look it up, make a profile, like make a PowerPoint, put some logos on it. Like what are their products? Like how much money are they making? Um, make a list and basically like make a book. And then you show that to a potential buyer and like ask them like, oh, do you like any of this? Sort of thing like that. Um, and then if they actually do, you help them, you know, do the mergers and acquisition. And you get a little bit of fee there. Um, but as an analyst, a lot of things you, you'll be working on is, you know, as I said, making like company profiles or, you know, you also have to evaluate those companies. Like if you're trying to buy these companies, like how much would you have to pay for them? Um, there are different methods that you could use to, you know, get those estimate range of valuation. Um, so that's why you hear a lot about like using Excel uh, mm-hmm. and financial models to, you know, make those catalog of, you know, potential companies. But um, I think those two things are one of the main things that you'd be working on as an analyst. It's like making PowerPoints in Excel. Awesome. And are there any like really interesting deals or projects that you've had the chance to work on while at BDA? Well, I've I've had a chance to like work on a little bit of like consumer and like healthcare stuff. Um, so you know, you might think like, oh, a lot of PowerPoints, a lot of Excel, like that's not maybe not too exciting. Um, and there are times that's like um it's, it's not really a fun project or like it's not what am I doing? It's like it's not really fun. But I think you know, investment banking really lets you um learn a lot on the job. Um, so like you, you're looking up all these companies and, you know, you, you didn't realize there's so many like organic or like vegan snack companies in the U S and like, what are like, there's a, there's like a trend in the U S like a a lot of these like vegan cookie startups are raising like a lot of money. And so there are a lot of learning opportunities. I think that's, um, one thing that's really cool about, uh, working at an investment bank, um, and you also get to work on like different types of projects as well. So 
yeah, I think um, that's, that's, that's the fun. That's the fun part. That's very cool. I didn't know there was such a market in um, the vegan vegan cookie business, you said? Yeah, vegan cookie business. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's very cool. And one final question here about your, your current position at BDA. What stood out to you about the company or about the firm relative to its competitors that made you choose this mm-hmm. opportunity? Yeah. So the firm's actually relatively small. Um, the entire firm is probably about like 150 people. Um, but it has, you know, offices and like, I think seven different locations, primarily based in Asia, uh, like, you know, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Vietnam, but also mm-hmm. they have offices in London and New York. So, you know, sort of their niche market is, you know, bridging the gap between Asia and the West. And, okay. you know, I saw myself there, you know, since, you know, I'm obviously Japanese, but speaking English and, you know, that's sort of the things I wanted to do, like bridging the gap between the U.S. or the West and Asia. Um, but also I've had the chance to meet the founder of the firm. Um, his name is Yuan Reilly. And, you know, he, he works at the New York office and, you know, it's a really small firm, but mm-hmm. I really like that aspect of, you know, like having really close, you know, relationship with, you know, your colleagues and like calling from other parts of the world. Like, um, so I really like that, like small kind of like family vibe. Um, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Kind of goes back to your very deeply multicultural roots, getting exposed to all these different places and people. Sounds like you're getting that as well at BDA. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's and, a pretty diverse place. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And I, I know we've obviously been talking about all of these amazing and incredible and reputable internships and jobs you've had. But I want to take it back to the beginning for a moment because I saw on the resume that you sent to me um, that you were an Uber Eats uh, <laughs> delivery person during the pandemic. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to bring this into the conversation is because I know a lot of our first and second year students, they often don't know how to frame their like service or retail experience Mm -hmm. on a resume. And they feel like it's usually not relevant or worthy enough to put on a resume, which is very much not the case. Um, So I'm wondering from you, one, why put it on the resume? Yeah. And two, why was that experience important to you? And what did you gain from it? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think everyone should put like whatever they have on their resume, you know, especially if you're a freshman, sophomore. Um, the reason I put it, I put my, you know, Uber East delivery, um, it's like, it seems like nothing related to finance or like investment banking. But, you know, one first reason is that like, it's, I think it's kind of like eye-catching. Like, I think it makes you stand out a little bit. Um, Everybody knows what, Uber Eats is and like you know a lot of people use it but you know I, I like I've had a networking session where I tell them like oh I used to do like Uber delivery and they often find it like pretty surprising so I, I just decided to put it there you know just to make it like just make my resume like more interesting and like sort of like stand out from like other resume um but also I think it shows you like that you know, I'm a proactive person, like, you know, um, you know, even like basic things, like I've, you know, I've proactively tried to like, 
you know, do something and not just like sit at home, watch Netflix. Um, so maybe one thing I learned through that like job, it's, it's really basic job. Like it's not difficult, but it, because it's so basic, you get to learn like, you know, value of your time or like, like value of money, basically like mm -hmm. one delivery you do. I did it in Japan. It's a little maybe it's a little a little bit different, but one Uber's delivery is probably like I probably earn like four or five bucks. Mm -hmm. So it's not that much, you know, depending on like how far like the those destinations are. But you know, I was on a bicycle and like I rode on a bicycle. Like I like bike. I would I wouldn't mind. Like it's like a it's like doing exercise and then getting paid. But you know, it takes about like 30 minutes to do one delivery and then you only get like four or five bucks. So, you know, I think it really teaches you in a way, like the value of money, like, oh, like next time, like I'm trying to buy a game, it's like 20 bucks. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, it's like five hours of my time. So I think that's like on a really basic, like fundamental level, like teaches you like what money is worth or like how much time is worth. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, in addition to showing you the value of money, I'm sure Uber Eats, especially during the pandemic, was probably really booming. Um, and you had <laughs> a lot of people to deliver food to since people were not going to grocery stores. So I'm sure you yeah. learned how to operate within a fast-paced environment. I'm oh, sure yeah. it improved your customer service skills, having <laughs> to interact with so many people. Um, again, as you said, you got a lot of exercise throughout experience. Mm -hmm. So there's so many little soft skills that you build mm -hmm. along the line um that i'm sure really still do aid you today or i hope they do yeah <laughs> of course and of course and and also i feel like you know because it's so simple such a simple task just delivering food but if you think of it like a little game uh or like a little puzzle you know it's like oh like if i do like five more deliveries like you know like it'll be like my 10th deliveries of like the day and you know that sort of mindset is really important because you know no matter what kind of job we'll have like the first first job you will have like straight out of undergrad it's probably going to be like not boring I'd say mm -hmm. but a lot of the work or a lot of the tasks you're going to have is very simple um and maybe like a little bit boring tasks but in times like that you have to like just think of it like a game and like just try to make it more interesting to yourself um so you know I think that really helps a lot yeah it's a job where you always have to be on your feet you're not confined to a cubicle you're always on the run um which yeah. I'm sure is really exhilarating and fun as well so I am glad you got to have that experience yeah. um and outside of your kind of professional experience and professional life as mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, you also enjoy and do film photography. Um, yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, especially here at the Career Center and at Fordham as a whole. We try to promote care personalis or care for the whole person. And mm -hmm. I think really in investing in investing in those hobbies and extracurricular activities, you do take care of yourself as a whole person. Um, so yeah, if you could expand on that more, I would love I would love to hear about it. And I'm sure the listeners would as well. Yeah, sure. So I first got into it in Switzerland um you know there are a lot of like film photographers in in the in the little town I, I used to live in it's called Lausanne and you know it was a new experience for me I mean 
you know, taking pictures for me at least used to be like just on my phone or like I had like a little digital camera. And it's so easy to take like thousands of pictures. But think about like film photography is, you know, it takes a lot of time to develop. Like you take, you can only take like 36 pictures at a time and you, you won't get to see the pictures you took until you develop it, which probably takes like, well, you have to go to like a shop and like get it developed. You have to pay like, I think 20, 30 bucks to like get it developed. And, you know, then you finally get to see the picture you took and, you know, it looks different. It has a little like texture to it. It has different feels um, to the pictures you took on your film. But also because you took, you, you put so much effort into it. Um, if you know, like it, it literally feels different um, and, you know, you can't like mess up your picture because you only have 36 frames and it costs so much money, like each picture you take, you spend more time, like you're more careful. So I think that helps you take a better picture. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, and I just print them, frame them. And I used to put them on my wall in my apartment. Um, people see it. And I think, I think it's, it's, I think it's a pretty cool, like conversation starter as well. Like you get to just like, show off maybe a little bit like you know the places you've been to and like you know the pictures you took I think it's a fun um a little hobby yeah yeah definitely what is their or yeah your favorite thing that you photographed so far um I like taking pictures of people mainly mm. um mostly my friends you know I think it, it I think pictures you know I think you can tell more story when you have people in it. Like when you look at a person in a picture, you probably think like, oh, what is he thinking? Or like, you know, what is she doing? Uh, I like landscape too, but I think having people or person in it like tells more story. Mm -hmm. So I'll have this one picture of you know, one of my closest friends just swimming in a lake um, in Switzerland. And it's, I think I really like that picture. You know, water is so like, water is beautiful the mountain's beautiful and then he's just like floating in the middle of water so wow you know yeah so I think it's a cool picture that is amazing I'm sure you have them scattered throughout your apartment and that they're beautiful <laughs> um oh, yeah. <laughs> but I think to wrap up our episode um in line with our title dear Ram where do I go from here I'm curious where are you kind of looking to go from here and where do you see yourself you know five ten years down the line yeah, sure. I mean, you know, so, you know, as I've said, I wanted to get a job in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now I'm here in Japan, but I haven't given up on my dream yet. So, and I also mentioned that I want to have a career where I can sort of be a bridge between the West and the East. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll be a great opportunity for me to you know, get some work experience in Japan, sort of like, you know, improve my Japanese business, Japanese. And, you know, once I have that, maybe I'll try to come back to the US as an MBA student, or like start my own business. But I think, I think it's a good experience for me to like, have both of, you know, working experience, like both in the US and both in Japan. Um, you know, especially if I want to have that like bridging 
the globe carrier. So that's my plan. That is incredible. Well, we're super Thank excited <laughs> to see you pursue your cross uh, cross continental um, career <laughs> dreams. Uh, I hope to see you here developing your own business. That would be super exciting. Um, and we're so proud to have had you a part of the Fordham community and to still have you a part of the Fordham community. And thanks so much for joining us today for this podcast. If you're interested in learning more about the Fordham Career Center, check us out on social media at Fordham Careers. Want advice on how to craft the best resume and score the job or internship of your dreams? Log into Handshake and schedule an appointment with one of our career counselors. We look forward to helping you figure out where to go from here.